Welcome to the Small Church Podcast, the podcast for church leaders who want to make a difference in their communities. We're your hosts, Tony Marr and Bruce Montgomery, and we're excited to be with you today. On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest trends, strategies, and ideas for effective leadership in small-sized churches. So whether you're a pastor, a ministry leader, or a volunteer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we'll bring you interviews with experienced church leaders who have valuable insights to share. We'll also explore topics like team building, community outreach, spiritual growth, and much more. So if you're looking for practical advice and inspiration to help you lead your church with excellence, you've come to the right place. The Small Church Podcast is brought to you by Higher Ministries. Higher Ministries is an organization that exists to help Christian leaders in the churches they serve through coaching and consulting, all for little or no cost. For more information on Higher Ministries or to find out more about the Small Church Podcast, please visit HigherMinistries.com. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Small Church Podcast. Welcome to the Small Church Podcast. We're excited that you have chosen to spend some of your listening time with us today. We've got some very, very exciting news this morning. So here with me live in studio for the first time in over a month is my co-host, Dr. Bruce Montgomery. Tony, it's really good to get back. I have felt like I'm on a wagon train in the older days because my wife and I are homeless right now. We sold a house real quickly and moved in with our, our daughter-in-law and, daughter and son-in-law. And um, I know what it's like to be homeless. You, know, <laughs> you never know where anything is. They're, they've been great to us. They're doing wonderful things with us. They even went on vacation, and we went to Florida for vacation for a while to an older person's resort. And uh, <laughs> we played a lot of bocce ball and things like that. My wife likes to be involved. And we've had a great time, and I feel rested and, and ready to come back, and I especially feel rested enough to want to move into our home when it's finally finished in construction. So I'm glad to be back, Tony, and it's great to see you. Yeah, it's wonderful to see your face sitting across from me and not talking to you from many, many states away. Well, Bruce, we have both been on vacation. Last week, I was gone with my family. You've been gone for what seems like uh, an, an eternity, and we're back. We're back together. So how was your vacation? Uh, do you come back? Are you feeling rested, rejuvenated? I know that you jump right back into buying a house and moving and all of that, but how was your trip? Uh, it was really good. My uh, my trip down was good because my son-in-law decided that he doesn't trust our driving, my driving, and so he flew us down. I mean, he drove he drove down. He flew him back home, and then when the three weeks were over, my my granddaughter and her husband drove us back. They really don't trust me when I'm behind <laughs> the wheel. I I tend to think about other things, and the car drifts, and and it gets exciting for Carol. She does a lot of <laughs> screaming, so it was more peaceful for Carol with me not driving the the, the twelve hour drive that it took to get down to where we were going. So, but it was a great time. We we rested, and I, and I can't tell anybody uh, too too often take time, get away, rest, it, because if you don't, you'll burn out. You know, candles will melt down at some point in time. So let the, let the um, time away energize you. you. You don't have to stop thinking about the church, but you can put it, put it back a ways and, and do some other things and get your attention focused on your family. Yeah, and that's actually what we're going to spend our time today talking about, uh, with us both having been gone for the last uh, week and, and more for you, three weeks for you. Uh, we were talking through the topics that we want to cover on our podcast 
and one of the main topics was rest and rejuvenation. And we thought, what a better time to talk about that than both of us coming back off of vacations. So today, that's what we want to dive into. Uh, while you were gone, you you were able to talk through with our listeners uh, on conflict. We spent a couple of weeks talking about conflict, and we've had a lot of great response to those episodes, a lot of questions that have come through and, and thoughts that have come through on, on email and through the chat. want to remind everyone that if you want to get a hold of Bruce or myself, you can find us at HigherMinistries.com or find Higher Ministries on Facebook, and you can send us a message with questions uh, or many of the podcast platforms like Spotify and Amazon Music, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Google Podcasts have places where you can send in questions or thoughts or comments uh, directly to us, and we would love to hear from you. Well, while you were gone, I had the opportunity to sit down uh, with two Roberts. Uh, with Robert Bess and talk about big ideas, talk about um, how the church can make change, how a small church with limited resources can make big change in their community. And that was a wonderful, wonderful time. Mm -hmm. And then a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity uh, to sit down with Robert Kell, another Robert, who is a bivocational pastor, and talk about that and the the struggles and the benefits of being bivocational. And that conversation, Bruce, I wish that you could have been there and been a part of that because it was incredibly enlightening. So often we think of bivocational pastors as um, it's a detriment to their ministry. Mm -hmm. And in talking with Robert, it became clear that there are so many benefits that come with being bivocational that that I wish more men and women, more leaders in ministry had the opportunity to experience the fruits of that. Well, Paul did a good job with it. He did a pretty good job. And I, I really do think you know, a lot of my life I've been bivocational uh, when I was teaching at college and things, te and also working in churches, and I felt it kept me fresher both ways. And being, being able in the church and wanting to work with the church that's and and still have have another vocation is really a, a, was wonderful for us. Carol and I, for most of our professional life, that was what we did, and it gave me creativity. It gave me connections. It uh, gave me a, a, an objectivity, and also, it, I hate to say this, it gave me a safety net. For, because if the church, yeah, if the yeah. church I was working at something really kind of blew up on us. I had a safety net there to go with it. So a PhD wasn't a bad safety net for, for things. But it, it also gave me new insights because it kept me meeting new people. I didn't uh, lack for new relationships, and out of those relationships came people who came to the church. Uh, maybe Some didn't come to the church, but some came to Christ. Uh, so God, I think, uses uh, that. And I don't—it uh, it is, it is fatiguing, over a time, over a period of time, if you don't rest, if you don't take some time away, and I, I told Tony before we started this, what did God do um, the first day after He finished creating man? He rested, and He made that part of our part of what He expected of us. Do do we rest? And most of us don't. I didn't for many many years in ministry. Just went on and on and on and on and on, and finally you wear down. Even some of, you, some of your compassion for people can, can wear down if you're just on 
call all the time doing things and not getting away. But the other part was for us, when we started ministry, we didn't have the money to go on vacation. Mm. We uh, would go to our parents uh, three days at my, at my parents, three days to my wife's parents. That's about all my wife could stand to, to, be, <laughs> a, a, to be away from home and, and in somebody else's home. But it was restful, but it's not like it was once we finally decided, finally decided that we made vacations a higher priority in our life. So we just f- totally get away uh, from things, and we're still available if needed, but, but we're, we're, our minds are somewhere else, and we're, we're resting and, and enjoying God's presence with us. So I think that getting away sounds like it's an extravagance. Uh, I think it's almost a necessity. Yeah, Bruce, it's one of my big pet peeves. Uh, in the years that we've been doing higher ministries, almost 20 years now that we've been working with churches and church leaders, uh, I've had the, the great privilege to coach and work with uh, probably close to to 100 different uh, Christian leaders, pastors in the churches, many of them small church pastors. And uh, one of the big things that we address and focus on and one of the big items of, of accountability that I have with with everyone that I work with is this idea of rest. Um, and not just taking vacations, which we'll get into more in a little bit, but but daily rest, weekly rest, uh, making sure that you're having uh, things in your life that are outside of the church that are something that you enjoy that don't feel like work. But one of the things that I really struggle with, one of the things that really frustrates me is the amount of people... Uh, and I think I, I think it's inside the church and outside the church. The number of people that take pride in the fact that they don't rest. I was listening to a podcast just yesterday uh, of of a, a guy who who I've read a couple of his books, and he was talking about the fact that he doesn't take vacation, that he hasn't had a vacation in thirty years, and he was wearing that as a badge of honor that he's so devoted, he's so dedicated to his task and, and what he does that that he doesn't have time for vacation. And I'm sitting there listening to it and thinking. You're you're probably already burned out. You're you're probably mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausted, and it's not a badge of honor to wear. To me, it's a sign of foolishness. Oh, well, I'd agree. Sometimes I remember when you're talking about that back when the churches that we would minister to would wear badges of not of being there, being present. I had one person who had 107 years of perfect attendance, <laughs> and it was it was like I, I was there no matter what. Even one day the preacher didn't make it, but I drove my tractor there, and I got there, and I was the only one at church. And it is a badge of honor for them, but it, it doesn't mean they're spiritually growing. It doesn't mean that they're really spiritually connecting with God, or this is just a, a, a habit or something that I, that I need to do, and if I don't do it, I, I don't feel good. So, uh, and, and for guys who are workaholics, it sounds good, but we'll visit them in the sanitarium sometime. Yeah, I, I because mean, the, the bottom line is, is church leadership is hard. Mm-hmm. It's, it's taxing. It's nonstop. It's not a nine-to-five job. We've talked about this before. It's something that, that you are on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, when you're around people, there's an expectation 
Um, when you're not around people, there's an expectation. And so the emotional and mental demands on small church leadership, I, I think, is is greater than any other profession that, mm-hmm. that I can think of. It, there, there's definitely not any that I could think of that would be more high pressure, uh, more emotionally demanding, mentally demanding, taxing. And if you don't take time, you will burn out. If you don't take time, there are negative consequences for neglecting your self-care. Uh, and you will find yourself. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you will burn out. If you don't rest, and, and, and when I talk about rest, I mean just get out of the pressure. If you don't rest, then you're, you're going to burn out. You know, you, you don't have time to, to, to just read the Bible for you. You don't have time just for the family, which is a very, very important thing. I think that's one of the highest things that to, you need to do is to spend time with your, your family and, and grow as a family, rest as a family, let your family and your kids see you, not just going in and out the door, but being there and being present. Uh, I chose to coach Little League, and I chose to coach my kids in sports. My, my daughters uh, learned, that, learned much more about softball than they ever wanted to know, but that was a way I could relax with them right? and, and get away from things, and I could think about the kid on third base who I wanted to get home instead of the pressure of somebody here. And that may sound too minimalistic, but get your mind away from the church. The joy of the church and, and even the, uh, the pressures of the church and enjoy your family. And let your family see that you enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Let them enjoy you. Uh, I think that I get frustrated. Another pet peeve of mine is when you hear people say all the time, well, it's, it's, it's about quality time over quantity of time. I think that's garbage, uh, especially when it comes to our family and our kids. We have a finite amount of time with our kids under our roof. And the, the excuse that I hear from a lot of, of pastors and church leaders is that it's the quality of the time that they have with their kids, not the quantity of the time that they have with their kids. And I just look at them and say, you're, you're an idiot. It's both. It, it's both quantity and quality. They want your time. Your kids want your time. Your spouse wants your time. But they want you to be present with them during that time as well. Right. Giving them time doesn't mean you're sitting in a chair sleeping or uh, reading a book that you've that you, you got to get read to, for, for something you're doing. It means really focusing one-on-one. And that's an interpersonal skill. You, know, you, you, you look at them when you're talking to them. You look at them when they're talking. And you listen to them and don't interrupt them. That'll be something you'll, you get a great education about your family with that. But the family, the family needs that. I, I've been looking at a thing uh, right now for grandparents. At, and, and it's a program for grandparents to reconnect with their children, with their grandchildren, and and that they've neglected. And I, I got thinking, what spiritually, and when I was really, really before I retired, when I was really, really active and everything, what um, spiritual experiences did I really convey or, or give to my children? Uh, my, my, my son knew how to pitch. He knew how to play shortstop. My girls knew how to play basketball. All of those kind of things. That was my life. That was the way my father did things. And that's how I did it. It was activities. And it wasn't sitting down and listening with them or talking to them. It was playing with them. 
and uh, I had to ask, what spiritual, uh, um, what spiritual things did I leave for my children if I would die right now? And I had to answer very little. I was a minister. I was minister to everybody else's spiritual needs, but my family I just kind of took for granted. And my wife has tried to, to teach me that, and over the years I've, I've learned it, but it's taken time. But now I've got to go back yeah. <laughs> and, and try to redo some of those things and, and re-encourage adult children uh, who um, now may, may not always be as active in church as I'd like to be. Uh, to, to, to touch their lives again in a way that will, would, would help them see the importance. And uh, so I, I would have to say right here now, I, as, a, as a grandparent, I was the grandparent who gave the kids all, this, all the candy they wanted and uh, gave all the attention for the fun times, but I wasn't there for the, for the other times. Hmm. And uh, so quality time, I could have called that quality time that I was looking at them and being with them, but I wasn't always there. Yeah. And so quality, if you're going to go quality time, uh, you got to find measurements to do it and make sure it's quality time and not just what you like to do. Right. And the kid's going to do it because I like to do it. That's one of the big things my wife has to remind me of constantly is it's easy for me to connect with the boys. It's mm-hmm. easy for me to connect with my son. They, they love to watch the same movies as I do. They love to watch sports, love to go outside and, and play basketball or throw a baseball around. And so it's easy to find that time with them. Uh, it's harder to connect with the girls mm-hmm. and, and because they don't share a lot of the same interests that the boys do and that I do. And so it's being intentional. And sometimes my wife has to remind me that you need to be intentional on find things that they want to do, do things that they want to do. Let's engage in something that excites them. Instead of sitting down and watching another ball game, why don't we see if there's a game that they would want to play or a movie that they would like to go to instead of the movie that you want to go to. And it's finding those those ways that that we can let them see you're just as important. You're you're so important to me, and your likes, your desires, the things that you're passionate about are important to me as well. Right. Um, my I, like I said, my my daughters learned to play softball because I played softball with them. They learned to play basketball because <laughs> I played basketball. They had to come to me in a sense of interest for me to really work with them. When I'd come home from a day at, at the church, I would look. I would come on my, my house would be a ca- catastrophic mess, and I'm a neatness fanatic. So I first thing I'm in the door before I even say hi, I'm picking up things. But Dad, we, <laughs> and I didn't understand. Did I never? I come three boys in my family, and I didn't understand little girls. I didn't understand what things to do to play with them or help with them uh, until later. Now as I'm now that I'm re- retired. I've got two adult daughters and an adult son. Uh, we have a relationship, and, and I think a good relationship, but it could have been so much better if Dad would have been present earlier. Mm. And I think I would have been a better minister if I'd been more sensitive to that. And also, if you're in the ministry, what's your model? Are you modeling for your congregation? Uh, I, I'm going to burn myself out at 30, or are you modeling for your congregation a family life and, and concern? and taking care of yourself and your family and doing God's will. 
Yeah. And we see in ministry, we've talked about the statistics before, that numerous studies have reported that the average lifespan, ministry lifespan of a seminary or Bible college graduate is less than five years. That means that that they're spending all of that time investing into their education, feeling a call to ministry, and they get their first job in a church. And within five years, they've decided not only is that church, that position not for them, but ministry is not for them. And there are a lot of different factors that play into that. But I think one of the largest factors, one of the biggest factors is burnout that Bible college and seminary does not prepare you for the 24-7 grind that ministry is. And so you jump in, you're excited about this new position, you're excited about putting all of your passion and knowledge into practice in your church, and then it doesn't take very long before you realize this is tiring, this is hard. And the vast majority of men and women who go into ministry are burned out and quit within their first couple of years. Yeah, I've watched that from some of my students uh, who went, graduated in ministry, went on out, and some of them got into many, to mega churches. And I, after I began to hear their schedule, I I felt sorry for them. You know, you 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 look and say, well, I think a mega church would be great. They're burning them out, and they're they're having turnover a great deal just because of the burnout. But I think the same burnout happens uh, in smaller churches, too, where ministers are there and they think they're alone, there's no help support, and there is. Uh, they're also alone. They really can't go talk to the elders about how tired I am because they, they won't really understand that kind of burden, and they don't have any, anyone to talk to. Well, and I think a lot of times the this, this smaller churches don't have the, the staff-honoring culture that many of the larger churches have. Um, For whatever reason, they don't have the policies in place, they don't have the expectations in place with their staff for self-care, rejuvenation, um, and breaks, you know, taking breaks. So let's kind of switch a little bit and talk some practically for our listeners out there that are sitting here listening to this. And and maybe some of them are saying, well, I've been at my church for 15 years and I haven't had a vacation in two years, or it's been months since I've had a weekend off or or a day off. Let's talk for, for a little bit about some specific strategies for ideals and things that, that, an individual or a church can implement uh, to make sure that their staff are not another statistic when it comes to burnout. When, when, when I meet with the guys that, that I work with regularly, there are a few things that, that I say these are non-negotiables. Um, these are things that, that they have to sign a contract with me. I hold them accountable to this on a daily, monthly basis. Uh, that these are things that they're doing. And the first one of those is that if, if you're in vocational ministry, you need to have two days off per week. A lot of times we view ministry as a a seven-day-a-week job. Uh, You've got to have two days off per week. Now, there are some caveats to that. Uh, When I'm working with someone, I say two days off per week. One of those, you may have to do something ministry-related. You know, things come up. You may have someone who who got sick or got into a car accident and they're in the hospital and and Saturday is one of your days off and you have to go visit them. Or if you're 
teaching or preaching the next morning, you may need to spend an hour or two going over your your message again, going over your outline, doing a final walkthrough of that. There may be a church event that you need to go to for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of those two days off a week, you need to do nothing church-related. Well, I agree, but it's hard to force yourself to do it. you got to get into the habit of doing it. Uh, for me, uh, uh, the weekend was not a, a relaxing thing going in because I had I always wanted to practice three times uh, on the sermon before I was going to deliver it, and that meant over the weekend I'm going to have to pull away for for different things. Or late at night on Saturday I finish up the last practice, but I've gotten had the sermon ready. But it, uh, it, it's not a badge of honor to say I spend twenty four seven. Uh, working for my church. You need to take the time. The people in your church are getting time off uh, from their jobs. You need to be able to to, to do that. Yeah, and, and I don't think there's any right or wrong uh, method to which two days a week you take off. You know, uh, typically guys in, in ministry will take off Friday and Saturday, or maybe it's Saturday and Monday. Uh, I, I've known some that take off a Wednesday uh, that they don't have midweek services. Um, I don't think there's anything that says this is where it has to be. Just have those two days off per week that you can look forward to, and one of those that you're doing everything to the best of your ability to do nothing church-related. Mm-hmm. It's it's Believe it or not, it's a biblical concept. We see it from the very beginning, as you said. We see it from the very beginning in the book of Genesis that God prioritized this uh, that this is something that's important for renewal. This is something that's important for health. Um, and if God thought that it was important to take a day of rest, maybe you're not better than God. Right. You know, uh, we just got back earlier this year. We went to Israel, and our tour stretched over about 14, 15 days. And so we saw a couple Sabbaths. And a whole country shut down. They just we if, and the bus we were on for the tour had to be in by 5:30, and everything was pretty well closed down, and th- things the pace of life slowed. Hmm. Uh, that's when I really thought maybe there's something to this Sabbath stuff, uh, because uh, it slowed people down, got them out of the work race, got them got them out of other things, even in the hotel. The food was already pre-prepared and laying out. They didn't do cooking over that. Even the elevators, they they left one of them totally dedicated to no service, and it was called the Sabbath elevator. And and it made sense. But still, in American culture, pushing to get ahead, driving to get ahead, working to be successful, that tends to seem more important and when you're with a group of ministers, how many days you've worked sometimes is that badge of honor again. I work and work and work and work and work until I drop. Well, that's what you're going to do is, is drop. You'll be much better off if you, if you set parameters. If you and your wife have, have Thursday night as a date night, then that goes into your calendar. If somebody wants to, to meet with you on Thursday night, you can say, I look at my calendar, I've got an appointment. I ask, and when I was in college, I asked, how do you find the time? How do you find the time to rest? How do you find the time for your family? You know what the answer was that I got repeatedly? 
You don't. You don't find it. You make it. And if your family is important at all, if your ministry is important at all, make the time for them. Make the time for you so you have something to offer your people. Yeah. I had, Bruce, I want to touch on something that you just said uh, when it comes to our calendar. Uh, I, I did that for a long time where I would put date night with my wife on the calendar. I would put... Uh, an event with my kids. I tried to take my kids on a date each week, individually. Each kid had their own time with dad uh, each week. And that was on my calendar. And I can remember sitting, this was a couple of years ago, sitting next to my wife and someone called and they wanted to do something. And my calendar, it was during a time that was date night with Amanda. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I have uh, have another appointment there. I have a meeting already scheduled during that time. I can't do it. And when I got off the phone and Amanda was sitting right there and she had heard everything, she'd witnessed everything, um, and she said, tell them what it is. I said, what do you mean? She said, don't tell them that it's an appointment, that it's a meeting. Tell them that you're having a date with your wife. And, and I kind of looked at her kind of strange. She said, it shows them that I'm a value. It shows them that I'm a priority, that that this is a top priority in my life, because now they just think, oh, you have another meeting that mm-hmm. you're super busy. I want, how great would it be for your church, for your congregation, for your people to see that, no, my wife, my kids are a priority in my life, that being a great dad, being a great husband is a priority in my life. Amanda's an amazing wife, and, and, and that... I had not even thought about that, the wisdom of that, but she's right. Yeah. So two days off per week, one of those days do nothing church-related as a general uh, guidepost. The next thing let's dive into is something that that we have pushed with the, the men and women that we work with for 20 years, and that's to have a monthly spiritual renewal day. This is a work day, so this is not one of your two days off per week, but this is a work day that you're typically uh, expected to be in the office or doing something related to your ministry work, that you are not in the office, you are not doing anything with people ministry related, you are getting away from it all to spend a day with God. For years, we called this a prayer and fasting day, uh, but then I had a guy that I was working with that had diabetes, and he said, if I fast, this will be my last prayer and fasting day because this will be my last day. So he switched to calling it a spiritual renewal day. And for some for some people, this is really, really hard to do. Uh, they don't know what they're going to do for eight, 10 hours a day. Uh, This is not a day for you to go to Hobby Lobby with your spouse. This is not a day for you to go uh, catch a double header at the movie theater. This is a day for you to go and be with God, spend some time alone with Christ, uh, and spiritually recharge yourself. That's been a tough one for me. To set that aside, even though I can tell others to do it, it's been a tough one uh, for me. But I, I've, I've advised it, and, I, and I've tried to do it, but that's probably my, one of my weakest things in, in, in trying to do that spiritual development for myself 
on a day. So I apologize for not having good content for you. <laughs> uh, and if you're listening and, and are thinking, what would I do with a, a full day uh, off? Uh, reach out to us uh, however you would like to do that. We have created curriculum and programs that you can go through to help with your spiritual renewal day, uh, but it's something that I think is is very critical and, and very important. Uh, one of the things that we see uh, throughout Scripture, in, in the book of Mark specifically, in the, in the life of Jesus, the, the book of Mark in 16 chapters chronicles is three and a half years of Jesus's ministry, that we see that 15 times in 16 chapters, Jesus leaves the disciples, he leaves the crowd, and he gets away by himself. 15 times in 16 chapters that, that we see that he gets away. It was pretty important. It was a priority to Jesus. And so, again, kind of like with our day of rest, with our Sabbath day, if it was important to Jesus, who are you to say, well, I'm too busy for this to happen in my life. Well, I'm, ministry is too important for this to happen. It wasn't, it was part of ministry for Jesus uh, because he knew that if he wasn't spiritually, emotionally, physically well, that he wouldn't have anything left for the people who needed him. Right. And, and f for you as a preacher and me as a preacher, nonverbal communication it speaks sometimes much more uh, loudly. Than the verbal communication, you can talk about it, but do you? But do you? Do you? And, and and don't be ashamed to let people know that that's what you're doing on that day, and you're 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 demonstrating a very important part of the Christian life for your congregation. Absolutely. All right. Next thing. Next bit of tidbit of advice that we would have for people when it comes to. Uh, renewing yourself and self-care with rest and vacation and rejuvenation. You touched a little bit on it before. Have a hobby. I'm, I'm amazed at how many men and women in ministry don't do anything outside of ministry. Have a hobby. Have something that you enjoy doing that you can step away from your church obligations, even your family obligations, and have something that is just for you, something that you enjoy doing. If it's coaching softball, if it's going for a bike ride, if it's hitting the gym and working out, if it's collecting antique coins or baseball cards, have, have a hobby, something that you enjoy that is a break physically and mentally for you to go and enjoy and do something that is just for you. Yeah. I, I would look for that hobby in my life, uh, all through my life, and it always came back to sports. And I loved coaching. That was a lead, leading young people. I, I love coaching and working with sports, and I've coached even soccer. I coached soccer games before I, I ever went. Before I ever went to soccer game in my life, I've coached a soccer game. And how do you do that? You have great players, and but you, I, be, I can get absorbed into that, and that's, oh, yeah. that's where the rest is. So my hobby is that, and, and even uh, as as I watch watch my son, uh, I coached him. I still remember one time he was pitching, and and he got really mad, and so I I called timeout and I went out and I do this periodically for him because he because he had a temper, and and I said Drew, calm down, let's pray. And he said, I don't want to pray, Dad. And I said, we're praying. <laughs> and, we did, <laughs> and we did. But I would, maybe he learned something there, that you got to be under control. 
and God's got to be under control, not your temper, not something else. And to, to watch that's relaxing for me, to do that's relaxing for me. Yeah, for me, it's the same thing. For me, it's Dodger baseball. And I, I know that no matter how hard of a day it's been, no matter what's going on at work, what's happening at home, what's happening in my personal life or in my professional life, I know that later that evening, 162 times a year, and with the Dodgers being such a successful program, even more with playoffs, <laughs> but a minimum of 162 days a year, I'm going to be able to sit down on that couch, flip it on, hear Joe Davis and Oral Hershiser, who feel like family, and just zone out watching Dodger baseball for a couple of hours uh, to end my day. And having that to look forward to each day, as crazy as it sounds, sometimes is that that little bit of motivation that I need to make it through a really hard day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, your mind can't be in gear all the time. It let, gives you a chance to relax and appreciate something or appreciate what someone can do. Uh, you touched on this a little bit before. With everyone that we've had the opportunity to sit down and work with, uh, we've had a lot of churches over the years that have asked us to come in and help them with new staff hires, um, with staff restructuring, and we've had the honor to sit and help write up job descriptions. Many churches never had job descriptions. Uh, They'd never thought through what is the tasks, what's the expectations for this specific position that we're either hiring or that we already have. One of the big things that we do in every job description that we write, uh, that we create, and that we work with with people is a section of the job description that we call margins for innovation and ministry. And what this is for our listeners is that we write in to your job description 10% of your work time, 10% of the hours that you are expected to be giving to your church, 10% of those hours are set aside for something that you're doing ministry-related that has absolutely nothing to do with your role at the church. And what that can look like is coaching Little League Baseball that has nothing to do with your role as a pastor at the church, but it's ministry to those kids and those families. It could be playing in a garage band that goes out to uh, coffee shops and bars on the weekends and plays. Nothing to do with your role as a pastor at the church, but it's ministry to those people that you're reaching. It could be being heavily involved in a Rotary Club or a Lions Club. Nothing to do with your role as a pastor at the church, but great ministry involvement uh, with the people that you're working with. And so 10% of your time that you're paid for by the church that is something ministry-related that has nothing to do with your role at the church. I think that that gives people a sense of purpose. It gives them something to look forward to, that they don't feel like they're shackled to the walls of their church. Uh, so that's something that that we would encourage everyone to look at. If you want help on how to figure that out, how to work that into your structured dynamic of your organization, we'd be happy to help with that. Um, but then we come to the big thing, vacation. I'm amazed at how many churches do not have paid vacation as part of their package for their staff. 
And uh, of all the times that we've been asked to come in and help with this, with hiring new people, it's always a point of contention when we're working with a church that has never had that in before, uh, when we tell them that this is something you have to have in your package that you're offering to your potential uh, pastor or staff person, that vacation is critical. Um, we we like to recommend that the amount of vacation is based off of years in ministry, that at a bare minimum for someone just starting out, you should have two weeks of vacation at an absolute bare minimum. I would love to see churches start with three weeks of paid vacation, but you get people that have come from a corporate background that have a real hard time grasping that and, and going with that when they said, well, I worked 30 years and never got three weeks of vacation. Well, you also punched your clock and went home at five o'clock right. when you went home and didn't think about your job again. And you were off every Saturday and Sunday for those 30 years that you worked at your plant. Um, ministry is a little bit different. But then as, as your years in ministry accrue, your vacation also accrues. Um, I had someone several years ago uh, when I was the lead pastor of a church, one of my, one of my elders put a requirement on me, and I was very blessed that had great uh, leadership at this church that saw the value, not only saw the value, but saw the critical importance of vacation. And my elders actually put a requirement on me that while I had four weeks of vacation per year, which is great, it was incredible and, and loved that, that two of those weeks had to be taken consecutively. So I had to have at least one two-week vacation every year. And the reason for that, as you talked about at the beginning of our conversation, was that it takes you two to three days yep. to unwind. And then it, the last two to three days of your vacation, you're mentally and emotionally ramping up for what's waiting for you when you get back. Exactly. And so when it takes you two to three days to unwind and your last two to three days, you're really only getting one or two days of real rest when you're on vacation. And so they put a requirement on me. And I know that not every church uh, has that staff honoring system in place. And so it's not possible, but these leaders said that you have to take a two week consecutive vacation so that you're actually getting a full week to unwind and rest. And I thought that was, that was brilliant. Um, but vacation time is critical. If you don't have the resources, I know that a lot of guys that I talk to say, well, I, I don't have the money to go away on vacation. We are very fortunate in the Christian community that there are several places that offer reduced rates uh, for ministers, for church right. staff. There are several people that offer even free places for uh, Christian leaders and their families to come and stay, to have these rests and these breaks because they see the value in it. Right, and we have, we have some ways of, of pointing you in the right direction uh, for that. But that's, don't let Tony saying four weeks, I think, is, is really probably the, an ideal time. Yeah. And because you, you by, the time, by the time four weeks is over, you're ready, you're ready to go back. But even, but even with that vacation time, there's another thing I think that's important, and, and it, that's continuing education. Yes, absolutely. If, if you can get away to some conference... Uh, or some kind of a, something you, you really want to learn, and, and you go to that. And, and 
you're away from the church business right now and then, but you're learning something about it. But that uh, isn't vacation. That's not vacation, but it's still Many churches way. view that as vacation. Yeah. That they say, okay, you went to a week-long conference, that's one of your vacation weeks. Right. Well, how many people went to that conference who weren't preachers, and that was, that was what they wanted to do is their vacation. And so the vacation is family. To me, it's, it's family-oriented, it's, 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 it's rest and relaxation, but there's also a room for us to, to do some other things for critical for education. And when, you pre- when the preacher gets his vacation, my, my suggestion is that you go to another church if you stay around town, because if you don't, Soon as you get, soon as you walk in the door, you're on char- you're on you're on duty. Oh, uh, somebody need to de- needs to unlock this, or we forgot to do this, or can you help with this? So you can't really vacation and go to your own congregation. Absolutely not. Because no. the minute you walk in the door, you're on the job. Definitely. Yep, Bruce. When you go away on vacation, so you're going someplace that you've never been before. Do you go to church on Sunday? When you're on vacation, or do you not? I think you'd like to have me say we go to church. Uh, sometimes it's not, but right now it's we watch. Yeah, if, if, uh, we don't. If I'm on vacation, uh, I'm typically not going to church, unless it's a place that there's a church in the area that I would love to check out, that I would love to see uh, and experience their service. Uh, I typically don't go well, to church when I'm on and, vacation. And for me, one of the reasons why that, that why I said we usually don't is because, again, when I'm in there, I'm critiquing. If I, if I walk into the church building, the minute I'm there, oh, they, this should be done here, or look at this here, and, and even communicationally, I'm critiquing. And so that's not, so it's not taking me out of things, and it's not beneficial. But I do check in on the church, like now with the church I'm at, We'll watch them. I've got some friends who preach, so I'll watch. I'll watch them on Zoom or something, and uh, make that make that a priority. But that's about all the all the things I do about involving the church, because again, I, I I'm a profession. I hate to say this. I'm a professional, and when I go into a, to a church building, I, I I can't turn off the professional part. Right. And I, I know some guys that when they go on vacation, and they will go on vacation, but then they take pride that they call in to their weekly staff meeting, or they will have one or two brief, they, they always make a point, brief, you know, 30, 45-minute conversations with their associate pastor or a, an elder or something like that. Let me just boldly say this. If your church cannot survive a week without you, then there's a big problem there. Amen. <laughs> and the problem's not the church. No, it's not. It's, it's you. You you you're a control freak. Yep, exactly. You, if if you think they can't go on without you, well, how, how did God do it all along? When when you were before you were born, and when you've not been there, God does a pretty good job. So leave it in God's hands, and and go and ta- and do what God said. Rest. It doesn't mean you don't think about. Doesn't mean you can't you don't pray about the church. But let let it let God take care of it. 
All right. Well, Bruce, we are about out of time today. So I want to quickly recap a couple of things that we talked about. Some very practical things for those of you that are trying to figure out how you can incorporate rest and rejuvenation into your ministry. Uh, two days off a week. One of those, nothing at all to do with ministry or your responsibilities as a church. Try to have one day a month, one work day a month as a spiritual, a spiritual renewal day. Um, have a hobby. Do something that you enjoy that is going to take your mind away from the immense responsibilities that you have uh, in life. Uh, look for things. Have If your church leadership is compassionate enough uh, to have margins for innovation in ministry, things that you're doing outside of the church that are connecting you with people that you might otherwise not connect with and using some of your skills and passions to serve the broader Christian community and the kingdom of God as a whole. And take vacation. We cannot stress this enough. Take vacation. Amen. You are not too important to step away from your church. Take vacation. If you need help with any of these things, we would love to help you with that. Well, that's about all the time that we have for today. Bruce, it was wonderful being back in studio with you, seeing your face. Uh, it was great to have you back here and to talk about something that we're both very passionate about, having just come back from vacation, and that's rest and rejuvenation. We want to thank you for listening. If you would like more information on how you can incorporate rest and rejuvenation into your life. Reach out to us on social media. Find us on Facebook. Find us on the in the World Wide Web at HigherMinistries.com. Shoot us a line. Drop us a note. We would love to hear from you. And as always, be sure that you subscribe to the Small Church Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until next week, this is Tony Marr and Bruce Montgomery wishing you all the best. Have a great week. Take your vacation time and rest.